So I am so excited to share with you guys, you ladies, tonight. Um, I've really been looking forward to this and just so, so excited and so humbled um, to be asked to be with you this evening. And I want to start by telling you a little bit more about myself. Um, I have experienced quite a bit of change in my life so far, but by far, hands down, the top two biggest change periods of my life were cancer and marriage. (laughs) Good change is still change. Happy change is still change. So at the age of 35, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I am so blessed to say that I am now 13 years cancer-free. Praise the Lord. But being diagnosed with cancer was a jolt. A jolt. It felt like someone had pressed the eject button on my life, that I was free-falling, and I had the parachute, which is Jesus, so I knew I would land. But when and where and what that would look like, I had no clue. It was a jolt. Then, at the age of 41, I got married. (laughs) Praise the Lord! I had waited a long time. Um, But I went from being single, living by myself, no kids in a one-bedroom apartment, to being married, living in a house with a man and a dog and the three stepkids who were then ages 9, 14, and 16. That is a lot of change to deal with immediately after getting off your return flight from your honeymoon. A lot of change. So even though getting married and having a family was a dream come true for me, it felt like a helicopter had dropped me onto a speeding train. And it was my job to somehow figure out how to safely get to David and the kids in one of the train cars below. Like in the action movies, y'all know what I'm talking about. The helicopters, like I'm telling you, that is what it felt like. That is what it felt like. So change, whether it's a jolt or a dream, can cause stress and anxiety. So when I say the word change, what's your instinct, your reflex, your, your first response? Any of you embrace change? Any of y'all in this room? You welcome it? Somebody back there? Well, bless your heart. (laughs) That is not my experience. (laughs) For me, when I hear there's going to be a change, I immediately think, "Uh uh-oh. And I envision myself being on a plane, wanting to tightly grab onto the armrest of the chair, hold my breath, and brace for impact. That is what change does to me. And Casey did a great job of explaining why, for a lot of us, change is synonymous with anxiety or worry. So tonight, I want to talk to you about the R's for remembering our joy during change. All right. My type A note takers out there, I got you, all right? I see you, Maria. Okay, okay, I'm I'm right there with you. So here's how we're going to roll. We're going to have six R's total, six R's. 
Each of them will have its own slide. The R word will be underlined and in bold. So you will not miss an R, I promise. Just hang with me. So we start with, remember you are redeemed. As followers of Christ, the most important question to ask isn't, who are you? The most important question is, whose are you? As followers of Christ, we belong to Christ. This is the Belong Conference. We are children of God. So knowing and trusting that we are His, we cling to the scripture from Isaiah 43.1. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Next, we choose to refuse. Choose to refuse. Now, I hope this encourages some of y'all. Others of you back there, bless your heart, you're not going to relate to it as much. But some of you, I hope this blesses you. I have to be really transparent here, okay? Just, I'm, I'm going to get transparent with you and really admit that when it comes to letting go of anxiety, there's a, pul- a small part of me that gets kind of sassy about those passages. Don't be anxious. See the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. Don't worry about what you will wear to the conference. (laughs) Three different outfits before, yeah. Don't worry. Just don't do it. Don't be anxious. Now, before I get struck down by lightning, let me just say that God's word is true. All of it is true. Everything that Casey shared with us, all of that, absolute truth. The problem is not the Bible. The problem is me. I am the problem. So this summer... In one of my daily devotionals, I had this big aha moment about this, and I really want to share it with y'all. Many of you are probably familiar with the devotional Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. So I'm going to read you the first couple of sentences from August 29th. Get ready. Demonstrate your trust in me by sitting quietly in my presence. Put aside all that is waiting to be done and refuse to worry about anything. Refuse to worry about anything. Something about that sounded really good to me. And I had this aha moment and this revelation that refusing is choosing to say no. It's active. You are doing something instead of not doing something. Y'all get that? Like I was really excited about this. You are doing something. So for the next couple of weeks, I was like a new woman. And any time the enemy would start playing that tape in my head about, you know, the anxiety and worry, I would say, no, (laughs) no, I am not going to do it. I'm not going to worry. I refuse. I say no. So take that, Mr. Enemy. So I challenge you, ladies, refuse. Refuse to say no. I mean, not refuse to say no. What did I say? You do say no. Refuse to worry. Thank you. Refuse to be anxious. Refuse to be anxious. Okay. So now that we have established what you are not going to do, let's talk about what you will do. We will decide to resolve. Resolve. 
The definition of resolve is to decide firmly on a course of action. It's a firm determination to do something. We resolve to trust God always, especially in times of change. As I mentioned, I was single until the age of 41. So I spent a lot of my single years with the mentality of, if it's to be, it's up to me. But then after we got married, I started to really appreciate that verse in Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Oh, isn't he handsome? Hi, honey. Um, My husband David and I, we are a good team. Um, We divide the labor, the chores, the tasks based on our strengths. So, for example, for the most part, I'm the travel agent for our family. You know, I determine the vacation itinerary, activities, make the reservations. But David is something else that is a blessing to my life. It is nourishment to my soul. David is the navigator. And once I figured this out, my life changed. It doesn't matter if I have my phone with me, if I have a map or not, if I have a GPS. It doesn't matter if we're in a big crowd or a busy airport. I don't have to read the signs or watch where I'm going or even remember where we parked. (laughs) As long as I'm with him, I'm good. In those situations, which we're going to the airport next week, and I promise you, This is exactly what I'm going to do. In those situations, I tell myself I only have one job, only one job, and that is to keep my eyes on the back of David's head. (laughs) He gave me a hard time about taking this picture because we had to do it like eight times. He felt silly. The back of his head. This is what I do. This is what I'm going to do at IAH on Wednesday. As long as I can see him, As long as I follow him, I know I will get where I need to be, safely and on time. If only I fix my eyes on him. The parallel here is an obvious one. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. During cancer... There were days that I was so tired and depleted. My alarm clock would go off in the morning to get me up to go to work. And I literally would think, I just don't know if I can get out of this bed. And that led me to say something that I have repeated hundreds of times since then. And that is, God, I can't. I can't. But you can. You can. To which the Lord lovingly replied to me, I gotcha. I gotcha. Ladies, let us resolve to fix our eyes on Jesus and focus on our one job, one job, to follow him. So now that we have talked about the heart side of remembering our joy, which is as redeemed children who refuse to be anxious and resolve to trust God's plan, let's now spend the rest of our time talking about some practical ways we can remember our joy. 
One of the wisest people that I will ever know is my mother. Some of you have met her. She's a smart lady, right? Okay, very smart. She is. She's the one who categorizes change as jolts or dreams. Um, She is now retired, but she spent 40 years as a Christian counselor, and she came up with this simple yet brilliant strategy for navigating change. What you do is you focus on the roles, the rules, and the rhythm. Type A note takers, take a breath. I just gave you three R's all at once, but it's going to be okay. We're now going to go into more detail about each of those. (laughs) They're still going to have their own slide and be underlined and in bold. Okay? I'm just giving you an overview of where we're headed. Identify your role. I want to talk to you ladies about the Christmas tree. When I was single, I didn't buy my own tree because I typically was at my parents' house during the holidays. I didn't have a need or desire for a tree. But when we were dating, David surprised me and brought this to my apartment. It was a little waist-size, right up here, tree with lights on it that I got to put some ornaments on. So that was my first little tree. Then the first Christmas after our wedding, David brought out the full-size tree from the attic. He set it up in the living room. He put all the ornaments on it, just like he and the kids had done the last several years. And I come walking through the room, and you, you, know, you realize there's this big old tree in the corner. And so I looked at it. I looked it up and down, scanned it, started to soak it and take it in. And something really odd and very unexpected happened. Because I was accustomed to seeing my parents' tree that felt like an old, familiar friend, I was shocked that this tree did not feel like a friend or familiar. There were lots of ornaments on it, and I knew they told really great stories, but I had no clue what those stories were. I wasn't sure why, but I really did feel like that tree was a stranger. It was an intruder in my home, and honestly, women... I was offended by its presence. And suddenly I found myself asking this tree, who are you? Who who are you? What are you doing in here? It took me a long time to realize what was really happening, which, by the way, counselors in the room, classic projection, like put it in a psychology book, this is exactly what it was. It wasn't about the questions I was asking the tree. It was about the questions I thought the tree was asking me. The tree said to me, who am I? (laughs) No, lady, who are you? I was here with them. You weren't. The tree instantly, with a single glance up and down, put me in my place, reminded me that I was the outsider. I was the non-biological addition to this household. I was the one who changed their identity from being the young family to being the young step family. The tree told the truth, and I did not like what it had to say to me. That our step family does not fit the definition of family in Scripture. We are not God's A plan. Now, obviously, an artificial... Official Christmas tree was not really speaking to me or challenging me, but it was a mirror that exposed my insecurities 
and exposed the lies of the enemy. Ladies, have you been there? Have you had or are you now in a time emotionally like this? Is there a change, whether it's a jolt or a dream, that has triggered the questions in you? Who am I? Why am I here? If so, if you are in this place of doubt or confusion or isolation or maybe even heartache, I want to share some good news with you. As our pastor, Pastor Greg would say, but God. A verse I've clung to my entire life is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And because of this good news, I want to tell you the rest of the story. The tree and I have slowly become friends over the last seven years. But it took some work. It really took some work. I had to refuse to worry about the question that weighed heaviest on my heart. And that question was, will we ever feel like a real family? I had to refuse to worry about that. And I had to resolve to trust God. God, I can't. (laughs) This is way too complicated. I can't. But you can. You can. To which he would lovingly reply to me, I gotcha. I gotcha. I had to believe in the redemption of the Lord, how he brings beauty from ashes, even for blended families, so that I could look at that tree and say to it, you want to know who I am? You want to know my role? I am a child of God. I am his beloved. I am also Mrs. David Young. And to three awesome kids. I am Mare, or Mare Mare, or occasionally even Mama. And I'm so proud of it. Mr. Tree, you want to know who I am. I am the woman who chose to be dropped onto the speeding train. That's who I am. That's who I am. And if you're curious, the answer is yes. Yes, we feel like a real family because we are a real family. So this is our tree now, my friend. I now embrace it. In fact, I decided to make a tradition of purchasing a Christmas ornament anytime we go anywhere on any kind of trip. David and the kids know this. They know how important it is. They know we ain't leaving till Mama gets her ornament. (laughs) So the Christmas tree has now become our living scrapbook. Ladies, when you're rattled by change, pray that the Lord will guide you in identifying your role, who you are, the plan that he has for you, his good plan 
full of hope and future. The next practical tip is to determine the rules. Rules are important and even comforting because they set boundaries. The silverware drawer, especially with a divider, is a great example of rules. The rules are stay in your spot, stay with your category, and play nice with others. You got to nest together. You got a spoon. Now, rules can be big or small. During cancer, I was blessed to have an abundance of family and friends who reached out to me, and I wanted to keep them informed so they could be praying for me, but it is exhausting to constantly answer the questions. How are you? What did the doctor say? So I gave it some thought, and I decided what my rules were going to be. I would update close friends and family personally, in person, you know, email, text, whatever it was. Coworkers got a printed memo in their box once a week because at that time I was working with some nosy nurses who had big hearts. Everyone else, I posted it on Facebook. I was new to Facebook. I didn't know the etiquette, but I decided it was okay because that was my rule. And I created a blog so everybody could read all about it. These three simple rules met the goal of keeping them in the loop while also providing the boundary that I needed to get space and rest and to keep me emotionally healthy. God's timing is so perfect. We shouldn't be surprised, but it's kind of funny sometimes. So while I have been preparing for this talk, I have been going through a major change in my life. (laughs) I have been going through a career change out of nursing for 20 years into full-time ministry with an organization that provides resources to strengthen step families. If you're curious, it's called Family Life Blended. You can Google it. But recently, because of this change, there was one day in particular, I was just kind of feeling off kilter and out of sorts with it all. So I got out my notes for the talk (laughs) and I start asking, what is my role? What are my rules? So ladies, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Ask God what your roles need to be that will be healthy and effective for you. And finally, find your rhythm. Sometimes we get to choose our own rhythm. Sometimes we have to learn to dance to a song that's already playing. For many of us, our rhythm starts here at our calendars. When I had cancer, there were so many unknowns, lots more questions than there were answers. But there was this one day that I went to the oncologist for an appointment, and we were deciding and talking about the next step, which was going to be chemo. And I know this sounds really bizarre, but I promise you it's 100% truth. I got super excited, really felt excited about putting chemo on my calendar. Why is that? (laughs) I'll tell you why. It's because I then knew what the rhythm was going to be for the next six months of my life. I'd had all these appointments, all these surgeries, all these. It just kept changing every single day. And now I had a plan. It wasn't a plan that was so awesome, but at least it was a plan. At least 
I didn't know how I was going to respond to chemo. At least I knew when it was going to happen. Anyone who's part of a blended family will tell you the rhythm of life is greatly influenced by the visitation schedule. We are a first, third, fifth family. I see some, okay, some of you know I'm talking about, okay? But for those of you who maybe aren't familiar, that means we have visitation with the kids the first, third, and fifth weekends of the month, plus extended time, holidays, and summers. So I had to very quickly learn how to adapt to that rhythm and be available at those times. And I am still working on this, still working, even last weekend on this. Because it takes a lot of intentionality to build really strong bonds and relationships when you're limited to just first, third, fifth. In the early days of our marriage, when I am wrestling with the Christmas tree in the living room, I also was making best friends with the dishwasher in the kitchen. I found myself getting really excited about loading and unloading the dishes. It was something fun for me in a season of crazy amounts of change. And I realized part of why I enjoyed this task is it followed these practical guidelines that we're talking about. The dishwasher knows its role. It's supposed to clean the dishes. It knows the rules. If it's dirty and it's dishwasher safe and it'll fit, it goes in. (laughs) And it has a rhythm. When they're dirty, you load it. When it's full, you run it. When they're clean, you empty it. Reload, repeat. It even sounds like it has rhythm when it's running. So ladies, I want you to be encouraged. You just need to find your rhythm. God's got this. God's got this. It's a leap of faith to go into full-time ministry. So our dear friend, hi Maria, our dear friend got us these awesome shirts. Um, And coincidentally, I did not plan this, but when we took this picture, I was standing next to the dishwasher. (laughs) Total coincidence. So the next time that you run your dishwasher, I want you to say, God's got this. In fact, I want you to do a little dance to the beat. God's got this. God's got this. Say it with me. God's got this. God's got this. All right. All right. God's got this. A friend asked me, Meredith, what is the number one thing you want these ladies to walk away with? Well, ladies, here it is. You are his. And he's got you. He's got you. He's got you.